Welcome to Ask a Lawyer with me, Steve Sleeper. Our guest today is DUI defense lawyer Tiffany Duncan with the Duncan Law Firm in Augusta, Georgia. DUI Duncan is a law firm dedicated to defense, and they want to provide you with expert DUI representation at an affordable price. I began the interview by asking Tiffany about herself and her firm. So my firm is in Old Town, right on the border of downtown Augusta, um, on 4th Street. Um, The firm has been in existence since 2007 or late 2006. I joined it in 2009. At that time, I used to run it with Jim Duncan as well. Um, I joined it after leaving being a Richmond County prosecutor. So I started prosecuting the UIs and then I switched over to the defense side. Um, Jim retired in about 2015, and I've been running it solo ever since. We ran it together after that. And I do have an associate. So we also have Chad Masters at our firm. So we are a a two-attorney firm um, with three assistants. So, And you pretty much focus on DUI defense, don't you? I really will handle maybe some speeding tickets that just kind of go with traffic. But yes, I mean, day in and day out, I'd say 99%, if not more, of my practice is simply dealing with DUIs. And specifically on that, our firm actually focuses on solely misdemeanor DUIs, um, like the more serious vehicular homicides and stuff like that or go into felony level. Um, a lot of times those have different aspects, um, more of a medical or rec reconstruction aspect. Um, we leave that to people that specialize in that sort of stuff and just simply focus on misdemeanor DUIs where we're challenging blood tests, breath tests, um, field sobriety tests. That's what we really focus on. I'm actually certified. I've gone through training a number of times, um, first in 2007 and lastly, actually in January of this year, to be um, certified to actually give field sobriety tests myself. Like I've went through the same training that the police officers go through, once at the police academy and once through a conference. So, so that's got to be really helpful then in identifying uh, identifying mistakes and protocols and procedures then, huh? It is, um, you know, first of all, knowing exactly what you're looking for. And interestingly, one of the more important aspects that we do is we work with live subjects during those trainings. And you realize how hard sometimes that that call is to make on the side of the road for the officer, you know, especially if a person's acting kind of okay, but maybe kind of not. And you're not sure, is it alcohol? Is it something else? Are they just tired? It kind of gives you a personal perspective on how hard it is to decide whether or not somebody is under the influence. So even though your client may have been arrested by that officer, that doesn't necessarily mean they were under the influence. Uh, The officers are taught to err on the side of caution, which would be overcharging, get that person off the road and figure it out later. So I don't know how um, some of the officers wouldn't sometimes doubt even their own arrest decisions um, because it's just a tough call to make. You get a very limited time with people Typically, it's dark, um, you know, when you're out at night and, you know, you've never met this person before most of the time and you don't know their normal speech patterns, their ability to walk. Uh, You are supposed to clear them for physical, mental disabilities, but, you know, that doesn't that doesn't always 100 percent cover things because sometimes people are like, oh, well, you know, they're doing the walk and turn. They're like, well, you know, I had back surgery last year. And then you're like, well, dang, I don't know if this is your back surgery or if you've had too many beers. So it, right. it really it really is interesting to be subjected to be put in that officer's situation and 
we do it in daylight. It was cold the last time we did it, but I mean, it wasn't raining. Uh, and to just have, have that limited time and be making that call on whether or not you're taking somebody to jail. I mean, it's a, it's a big responsibility and most officers do their best, but you know, there's definitely, definitely some judgment calls out there that, you know, that's where, that's where we come in. And there's a very specific order in how they're supposed to give instructions and what those instructions are supposed to include and not include. Um, So a lot of times that's what we're looking for when we're evaluating videos of tests. Like, for example, on the one leg stand, one thing we see that's very common, one of the clues of impairment is to put a foot down. Well, officers are supposed to instruct you to, you know, hold your foot up 30 seconds, arms by your side, that sort of stuff. And a lot of officers go, and if you put your foot down, pick it back up. And that's an incorrect instruction because it's instructing them that it's okay to put your foot down when that's also going to count against them. So we look for just the minute details that it seems very ticky tacky, but can make all the difference. Because if somebody told you, if you put your foot down, you pick it back up, you'd be like, oh, okay, that's just part of it. So it's just little, that's just one example, but it's little tiny stuff like that that we look for. Well, what else should I expect from a good DUI defense lawyer? Because you touched on a bunch of stuff there, but I, I know there's other things to to look at. Well, I think there's a lot of things that go into um, doing DUIs. First of all, it's it's definitely not for everybody. A lot of people, we call them, um, it's like when the economy is slow. Uh, everybody with a lawnmower is a landscaper, right? Um, not every lawyer that handles DUIs is a DUI lawyer. That's not to say they don't do a good job or the best job that they can, but the more training and the longer you've done it, really, and the more you stay up on this specific area of law and keep that focus, just the more knowledge you're going to have. You're also going to know, you know, if you limit your practice to one area, you're in front of the same judges, same prosecutors, you know what to expect in the different courts, and you know how to advise your clients to get ready for those courts. Some courts want you to do some stuff before you get there. Some don't care. Some courts are going to take two months. Some are going to take three years. And a good lawyer will let you know, hey, this is what our time frame is looking like. This is what I need you to do before court. Um, these are these are beneficial steps to take. Or make sure you don't do this. Make sure you don't get any tickets. Some courts just don't get another DUI. Um, it's just, it's hard to put an amount on like what specifically is good for you know, a DUI lawyer. It's just basically if you meet with somebody and you talk to them and they're like, oh, this is the judge, this is the prosecutor, this is the time frame, this is what we need to do. Here's your typical penalties. Here's the worst case scenario. Here's the best case scenario. Just somebody that has knowledge of those specific courts is really the most beneficial. Hey, so let's say I get pulled over for a DUI. Um, the Police officer believes he or she has probable cause to arrest me. What happens after that? What happens after I'm arrested? Okay, so post arrest, what's going to immediately happen is the officer is going to read you the Georgia implied consent card. Um, and that basically is explaining to you that by driving on the road, you have implied consent, you have given your consent implicitly to have your blood or breath or other bodily substance chemically tested. Now, typically the tests we see are either a breath test, which is an intoxilizer at our jail, or a blood test. Um, Interestingly, in Georgia, our troopers, some of them are trained to do their own blood tests. They'll pop out a blood kit and uh, stick a needle in your arm right there if you're 
in agreement with that. Um, oh. Most of your, yeah, it's new as of 2021. It's very different. Um, haven't been any challenges to it yet. I've been waiting, but we'll see. Yeah. Most of the time they use EMS or take people to the hospital or occasionally the jail nurse. Uh, there's different ways. But the officers, the one themselves, they get to choose if they're going to request a, a breath test or a blood test. It's really up to the officer. We saw a lot of blood tests, um, mainly because we've had some recent law changes, well, recent being 2018, about refusing a breath test actually cannot be used against you in court. That's protected in Georgia. So the refusing the blood test falls under a different search. It falls under a Fourth Amendment instead of a Fifth Amendment. So breath tests you can still refuse um, without penalty at the actual DUI. You've got license issues, but that's another story. So the first thing you're going to have to decide after those handcuffs go on is, are you going to submit to the state administered test? Most lawyers will tell you never take the test. Um, That's just not correct information. There's really no black line rule. I have counties where if you don't take the test, they consider that obstruction almost and think you're hiding stuff and want to give you no help, even if you don't look impaired. And true, you should not have to prove your own innocence, but if you're in a situation where you you really are innocent, it's best to go ahead and take it, even though it shouldn't be you have to prove it. I mean, it's better to have a negative blood result than have to hire me to fight it in front of a jury. And sure, in certain counties, they're like, well, if we have a test, we're not reducing it. So it is better to refuse. But hindsight's twenty twenty. Like, once you come in, I tell you what you should have done, but <laughs> you don't want to have to make the, the decision right there. And there's just... I would be really uncomfortable giving an answer that's one way or the other, just because depending on what county you're in, my outcome can be better or worse based on your decision that night. And I know everybody wants to know, what do I do if I get pulled over? For my friends, I'm like, okay, this county, take the test. (laughs) This county, but you know, if they've been drinking too much, they probably won't remember my advice anyway. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Okay, so in Georgia, I'm I'm going to make an assumption. I think it's safe. They're going to take my driver's license uh, if if they arrest me. What's the procedure after that? Because I'm probably still going to need to go to work, and I'm going to need to get a you know get to work. How, do do they have uh, a procedure for getting a temporary license, or how does that work? So in Georgia, they can't immediately suspend your license. They do take it. They take your physical license, whether you refuse or take the test. Um, but then they give you a temporary license. And in Georgia, typically you have 30 days to appeal any sort of administrative suspension. And that goes through our Department of Driver Services. It doesn't go through the court where the DUI goes through. So we do have to pay a filing fee for that. Um, But especially important in refusals, because if you refuse, you're looking at a year suspension. If you can appeal that implied consent, refusal successfully, you can avoid that year suspension. The key being most of the time your court date is two months from now, but you only have a month to to appeal that license suspension. Now, if you gave blood, um, they also take your license, but you're not suspended. They give you a sticker on a DUI citation that says it's good for 180 days while your blood is pending. Um, because they can't suspend you unless you're either over 08 or you refuse a test. And if your blood test is pending, obviously they don't know if you're over 08 or not. Um, so they have to wait for that test result to come back before the officer can file for that suspension. But either way, the best practice is to just go ahead and appeal the license hearing um, just from the jump. 
Interestingly, in Georgia, there is one other option. Um, if within the 30 days you don't want to do the license appeal, you can go ahead and install an interlock device on your car um, and you can leave it on there for the entire year to <clears throat> whether you beat the DUI or not within the year, you're, you're stuck with it for an entire year, but then you don't suffer that year suspension. So there's a lot of different suspensions. Um, there is not one for DUI drugs. Uh, if you take the test and your blood is only positive for drugs or marijuana, there's no administrative suspension for that. So that's kind of a, a weird thing as, you know, marijuana is still illegal in Georgia. So we don't have legal limits or anything like that established for marijuana. Okay. Yeah, that is, that is sort of unusual. Mm -hmm. Tell me, what are the penalties for a DUI first in Georgia? A DUI first, um, typically 24 hours of jail. Most of the courts consider the time that you spent that night in jail as your 24 hours. There are courts that differ. Most of my courts around here, though, uh, aren't sending you back to the jail after, you know, a DUI. Even if you are convicted of the DUI, it's typically time served. Um, a fine of up to $1,000. That's typically what we see. 40 hours of community service. Uh, the DUI school, which is a 20-hour class in Georgia. A clinical evaluation, which is a meeting with a counselor to determine if you have a substance abuse problem. If they determine you do, you have to comply with treatment that's recommended. And the license suspension is technically a year but you can have a limited permit for work, school, medical, and all your terms of probation, which is important. We expanded it in Georgia about 10 years ago, um, where you, if you're ordered treatment, you can drive to it. You can go to your DUI school. So it's a pretty expanded work permit. Um, and it also applies to unlicensed drivers in your household. You can take your kids to school. You can take them to doctor's appointments or an older parent. Also, after four months, as long as you've taken the DUI school 120 days later, you can actually get your full license reinstated. You do not have to wait for the entire year by any means. So pretty much four months after conviction, as long as you've taken a 20-hour class, you get a license back with no restrictions and no special insurance. Do all cases go to trial? Uh, most of them don't. DUI trials are pretty rare. Um, your average court sets probably 500 cases per month on a docket to resolve. Probably one or two of those go to trial, if that most of the time, DUIs um, can be worked out, especially first offenses. Um, a lot of times, you know, we can find a little problem here and there, or just overall they look good. And maybe we can take a reduced plea to something like a reckless driving. The client's like, well, why risk a trial? I'm out of my DUI. Or sometimes our DUI is just horrible and there is no defense. And it's better just to take a plea than, than go through a trial and be like, well, will you give us the minimums of everything? Okay. And I'll get my limited license and move it right along. So I would say 99% of cases do not end up uh, at an actual trial. Now you have to go to court a lot for different things, but not, not an actual jury trial. Most people in their life will never face a jury trial. And I think 90 something percent of lawyers never face a jury either. Now uh, that's because a lot of lawyers don't practice um, criminal law. You know, a lot of your, your guy that closes your house is not going to go have a jury trial about it. Um, but we, the criminal lawyers, we all say real lawyers try cases of juries. It's a fun thing to say because we kind of are the cowboy lawyers, right? We're the ones out, like you see on TV, fighting the juries. But there's plenty of really good lawyers that don't go to the cowboy cowboy side of criminal. Right, right. So the the cases that don't go to trial are are they all plea bargains? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, occasionally you get your few that you can, you know, your, your few total dismissals because you found something tragic with the case. 
But yeah, most of the time it's plea bargain, um, discussed with the client, discussed risks and benefits and things like that. And typically the client agrees that, you know, is number one, they want to get it resolved and done. And number two, a, a bird in the hand is better than one in the bush a lot of times. Right, right, right. If I get offered a plea bargain, should I take it? Well, what a good lawyer will go over whether or not you should take that or not. Like, here's what they're offering. Uh, like, I think we should just say, forget it and go back to the drawing board or I'll counter sometimes. Like, well, what about this offer? Um, but you go over the positives and negatives with it. And it's important to consider somebody's life circumstances too. Um, for instance, we're near a military base. So I have clients that coming back to go through a trial where it's called every day for a week might even be impossible. And it's like, well, you know, we have to look at, at the interruption to the person's life too, because at the end of the day, we are just dealing with misdemeanors. Um, and we're not looking at jail time. It's, it's simply most of the time a licensed fight, background fight, trying to keep people's jobs, things like that. Uh, are there no contest pleas uh, with? Uh, not for DUIs. Those are not accepted. Okay. Okay. All right. They used to be in the 90s, but not anymore. Not anymore. Okay. What if I plan on pleading guilty? Do I, I mean, I, I, I was drunk. I know it. I want to plead guilty. Do I still need an attorney? I would advise it just because there are some pitfalls you can run into, especially with the administrative side, with the, with the license appeal. Say you, say you refused, you're not getting a permit because you're under a year suspension. And it's just an attorney's guarantee of what will happen. Um, what that plea bargain is, because if you go in by yourself, every misdemeanor in the state of Georgia um, can can carries up to a year of jail. Even speeding actually has a year in jail um, possible. Now, are judges going to order that? No. But as a person standing out without a lawyer, the judge is going to sit there and say, you understand I can give you a year in jail on all these charges, right? And you have to be like, yes. And they're like, you want to go forward? I mean, I wouldn't feel comfortable saying, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, sure, um, you know, you can definitely represent yourself. Um, there's there's just some, some possible pitfalls, and it, it would be quite harrowing to just be like, yep, sentence me. Okay, I get a year in jail, even though it's my first time. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know, so I would just, I would advise against it. I mean, attorneys would definitely um, try to work with you on, on prices and things like that. Or, you know, sometimes I just give people advice and say, I know that court, know the judge. And they're just like, no, absolutely. hundred percent. I'm like, all right, that court, you'll be fine. Just go for it. You know? <laughs> like, right. Right. <laughs> you know? So we, my personal policy is I don't take a fee unless I feel that I can help somebody. And actually my personal one is that I'm the best person for it. Um, Occasionally, there's a really small county around that I'm like, you know, this guy over here, he he does better in that county. You need to hire him. So I, I won't take a case unless I think I'm the absolute best lawyer for you. So. Excellent strategy. Yeah, yeah. CDL, do you handle that? Yes, yeah, CDLs are quite the complication, especially with um, the large concern about federal funds and masking. Are you familiar with that at all? Vaguely. Why don't we go into that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so what masking is, is basically the federal government is like, hey, guys, you can't just go around fixing CDL tickets post-conviction after they're already convicted so they don't get their CDL taken. Like, say, a guy goes and pleads to a reckless driving and 90-plus 
in a 45 or something and it causes a suspension, well, they don't want courts to go back and amend that and be like, oh, um, no, that's a failure to exercise your care and a 10 over. So it's really supposed to be for for post-conviction. And the other thing is specifically for is you can't go and say, you know, I want this reduced because my guy has a CDL. Like what the federal is really cracking down on saying, you know, prosecutors, you can negotiate if there's evidence or issues. We're not trying to take away your power of negotiation or, hey, maybe I can't prove this case. So, you know, I offer to reduce charge and they're like, just make sure you have a reason other than this guy happened to have a CDL, which I think is fair. Unfortunately, a lot of prosecutors are are so extreme that they're just like CDL, no, no negotiation. Um, okay. So you we run into that sometimes. So it is it is a little tougher when you're dealing with a with a CDL because you you really have to push hard on a prosecutor. Like no, it's not. So that you don't have negotiations. Like hey, you know your guy didn't even read in the implied consent. How do you have a DUI? You know, so they can definitely be more difficult. Prosecutors are definitely harder on your CDL drivers than your your average driver. And under twenty one drivers are tough too because they they get their licenses taken a lot easier. Oh, okay. Okay. I would imagine the under 21 drivers maybe are not as likely to want to take a case to court and go plea bargain because of the uh, money involved, whereas CDL, because it can, you know, take away their way of living, want to fight it and um, they'll, they'll spend more money, I guess. Is it for yeah, I mean, I guess more to lose. Um, you know, that's their whole livelihood. A lot of people that maybe they've been driving a truck for 20 years. Um, so yeah, there's definitely more on the line, more reason to fight it. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of younger people, perhaps with like a budding military career. Um, that, that makes a big difference to try to get out of the interesting thing about licenses in Georgia is once you're under, when you're under 21, you can't have any sort of four point offense at all. And even a reduction from a DUI to a reckless driving is a four point offense. So even with a reckless, you're still looking at a six month suspension as an under 21 driver. You can just drag it on and get them to 21 though, then they can get 15 points every two years. Wow. So wow. You look at, you look at the age of your client, if they're 20 and a half, you know, <laughs> you just kick the can down the road a little bit. That's right. That's right. And, and, and you even tell the judge, you're like, Hey, I'm getting them to 21. You know, it's not anything shady that we do. Um, if the, you know, if they're 17, you got another problem, but you know, 20 and a half, you know, you probably buy a little time there for them. Our guest today on ask a lawyer with Steve sleeper is DUI defense attorney, Tiffany Duncan. Her phone number is 706-828-7950, and her website is duncanlawfirm.net.